Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go from SEC Media Days in the hotel at SEC Media Days. That's how that's how we're going to do it here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. If you're watching the video version, you can see the curtain behind me. Still got the Gator lights going, uh, the Gator heads floating behind me. So, got to have that feel still. But uh, we'll... Um, Get to hear from Dan Mullen, Zachary Carter, Ventro Miller. They m- made their way from Gainesville to Birmingham, and we got to speak with them uh, there. So a lot to discuss. Offense, d- a lot of defense, of course, because of two defensive players. Uh, so uh, it was uh, a-, a lot of fun finally getting to see these guys in person again. It's been a while, not behind a computer screen. That was kind of the theme here of being back in person, being able to see people interact face-to-face. Uh, still some handshakes. <laughs> Nobody's scared, uh, too scared to be doing handshakes and stuff right now. But uh, so a lot of fun has has been had here. Uh, finally, getting to see these guys in person again, talk to them, interact to them, uh, interact with them in person, and a lot of a lot of good stuff come out of it. So I'll play the sound uh, through here. The internet's so slow here. I've tried to do as much video as I could. It was just it couldn't even download it fast enough uh, one gig video was going to take three hours to download all that kind of stuff so it'd be just be sound uh in images here uh for the youtube version if you're watching the podcast version well, you already used to audio anyway so uh but the youtube version uh i'll be on the video of course but then i was going to try and have the video for everybody else as well but i uh, couldn't couldn't get it downloaded from the sec fast enough to bring you guys an episode on the hills of sec media day the gators just left within the hour of when of when I'm recording this. So a lot to get to with Dan Mullen, Ventral Miller, Zachary Carter. A lot of fun well, has had has been had here uh, in Hoover, Birmingham for SEC Media Days. So uh, we'll get started with Dan Mullen's opening comments and then uh, we'll hear from the uh, players as well. A lot of exciting things going on for us right now after, after coming off a, a great year. Obviously, a uh, little bit of challenge. Offensively, it'll be different this year. Uh, two first-rounders last year uh, on the 
the offensive side of the ball and a second rounder, a quarterback, uh, guys leaving on to the NFL. It's great to see those guys have that success and go on to the next stage. And, uh, but there's a lot of production to go fill offensively uh, that we're, we're really excited about on the offensive side of the ball. The, uh, you know, we have, we have a couple quarterbacks that have experience. I know Emory Jones coming back and Anthony Richardson competing for that job with them. Uh, but if you look at those guys and what they've been able to do uh, with the experience they have, if you go, you know, if you get into statistics and go look at, look at Emory Jones' statistics, uh, he's a guy that's played a bunch of football. Uh, he's not coming in as a guy that's never played in, uh, before. So really excited about that. You know, uh, we, we lost a lot of production at the receiver and tight end position, but we still have a lot coming back. We rotate those guys a lot. We've done a try to do a, a great job of creating depth at those positions. I think uh, media days last year, the number one question I would have got to say, hey, you just lost four receivers to the NFL draft. How are you going to be able to come back in production in the passing game? And uh, we were able to come back because of how we play in our, within our system of, of playing a lot of different guys. They've had experience. So uh, the next guys are going to have their opportunity to get the ball in their hands uh, and make things happen. And then we also have a lot of ex uh, veteran players on the offensive line and, and especially at the running back position this year. So uh, that's going to be uh, – will be a little bit different offensively, uh, but that's part of the fun of coaching is being able to adapt, change, and build around the strengths of the players that we have. There you go, Mullen talking about you know being able to adapt we we know the talent florida is losing from last year's team it's a lot it's a lot to replace a heisman finalist and two first round receivers and tight ends with kyle pitts and kyle trask or, or Kadarius tony of course so bring he brings up emory jones you know he starts talking about the team and brings up emory jones but he also mentions anthony richardson and i don't think that's any sign or any in inclination that uh, hey we got a quarterback battle or a quarterback competition going on here of course there's always competition here this is emory jones team i think you're bringing up ar because you want ar to push emory jones you want ar to make emory jones better emory jones is going to be fine emory jones he'll be the starting quarterback and you know going through a bunch of radio interviews and also hearing the players talk about it and my thing is going and looking at this team the ceiling is whatever Emory Jones can bring with his arm. But he's going to be good enough to be the starter, I think, you know, for, for, for the whole year, uh, for, for, for the Gators. And, you know, Mullen talking about that schematic change that's going to happen because you now have a mobile quarterback. And, you know, really giving kudos to basically Billy Gonzalez and the wide receivers. We're placing wide receivers all the time here at Florida, kind of is what Dan Mullen is saying. And, you know, last year uh, the big questions were, how are you going to replace guys that went on to the NFL? Well, they only – had Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts go crazy. So, uh, and, you know, a lot of receivers in supporting roles as well. So, uh, Jacob Copeland, Justin Shorter, of course, the two guys you're going to just have to look out for there. Uh, but, you know, it, it is interesting where, you know, Mullen just, he, the offensive line in, in the run game, he had a lot more to say about the receivers and kind of quarterbacks and what, because of basically what we've seen the last couple of years. You know, I, I think that the offensive line and, and the running game is still going to be a question mark till you get out there on the field. And Mullins even said this before, you know, things that happen in preseason camp or, or spring camp don't usually – it doesn't mean they'll turn out. Like Mullen and going into 2019 thought Florida would have a pretty good run game. It, it never materialized. Uh, and – so now, you know, you, you go and you start talking about the team and talk about the veteran presence of the offensive line and, and how deep they are at running back. And, you know, I, he, he talks about putting it all together. And that's the fun in coaching, being able to put all those pieces together. And that's what he's going to have to do. Mullen has his work cut out for him, of course. And I think 
his track record speaks for itself that he's going to have some success being able to piece this thing together. Um, a quarterback that, and, and I'm glad somebody asked if we may get into it here in another soundbite of um, going back to maybe a, kind of a, I'll paraphrase here, go back to the quarterback series he's kind of used to. And he goes, look, I've been coaching long enough now and these last, basically adding these last two years, he goes, I don't really have a set role. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see as I've brought up before, how much of the passing game did he like that if Emory Jones can replicate some of that, how much does he want to pass compared to the run game that goes five deep and, and, and a quarterback that can run as well. And he talks about the different approach here on offense, and that's exactly what we're getting. It's going to be a different approach. And, you know, Mullen basically, and the old adage goes, and we hear it all the time, the square peg round hole. He's not going to make Emory Jones Kyle Trask. He's going to make Emory Jones Emory Jones. And that's the best thing that a head coach can do. It's the best thing Dan Mullen can do, and he knows how to do it. He's got the experience in making quarterbacks fit amongst themselves, not trying to make them somebody that they're not. So a lot of um, a lot of good coming from that in, in, in Mullen's opening statement. And then, of course, uh, going to the defense. Uh, defensive attitude. We have a, you know, we today brought two of our defensive players with us, Zach Carter and Ventrell Miller. And, uh, you know, you look at the leadership those guys bring on defense uh, that we have. We have some really young players in the secondary. With uh, But you got Trey Dean and Kyrie Elam with some experience coming back there. But uh, really, to me, the attitude of where our defense is at is, is where I'm really pleased with. The energy, I, I think everybody knows we play a lot of guys defensively, roll guys through to keep them fresh and healthy. And, uh, and I'm really excited, though, uh, of the mindset, the attitude that the defense as a whole is bringing uh, to the table and the leadership that they have uh, within, within our program. Uh, a lot of big things for this year. You know, I mean, we, we've been to three straight New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, hopefully we can uh, get that one step further into uh, a New Year's Six playoff game this year. Uh, love the opportunity to get back to Atlanta to compete for another SEC championship again this year like we did last year. Mullen likes the attitude of that defense. And, of course, we expect to hear that right now. Going through spring, going into fall camp, it's going to be all good right now. All the, the, the feedback is going to be positive. Uh, right now in, in that manner so you look at it you're looking at leadership that's the biggest thing if you want to talk about attitude and you want to talk about mindset of the defense it starts with leadership we didn't see that a whole lot last year who who were they who were we pointing to on defense last year as leaders to get out of a rut or make a big play or get guys i mean of course we know about line the lining up issues and and struggling in that regard you know where were the leaders last year in and trying to turn around the defense in season. Well, maybe the leadership now can help build through fall camp and start basically going back and starting in spring. You had the coaching changes, but it's going to be on these players too, the attitude, the mindset. Um, and mentally, uh, I, there's a whole lot of mental questions for me on defense. And it, it starts with leadership. It starts with attitude. It starts with your approach on defense. And Mullen made sure to, to, to single out the attitude uh, about the defense, and it's going to the attitude needs to be there, and good and bad, uh, and a bad attitude. And I don't mean a bad attitude as in um, how you carry yourself. A bad attitude on the field. You know, we we need that Florida defense to be physical. We need that Florida defense to be fast, physical, aggressive, hitting people, and that only comes with confidence. And the confidence has to come with leadership. It has to come with the mindset. So hopefully, you know, Dan Mullen's start here of the defense talking about the attitude that's a step in the right direction for this defense to bounce back next year
I'm Drew DeArmond, uh, ESPN 97.7 The Zone Radio in Huntsville, Alabama. I wanted to ask about a local kid from my community, Jaden Hill, the process he's made in your, your, in your defense. I know the secondary is a big key for you guys to bounce back this year. Jaden Hill uh, has done an amazing job. You know, you're looking at a young guy got got was injured uh, in, in high school, came in, played for us. Uh, got over that injury, has continued to work, has had a great mindset, a great attitude. Obviously, really, you know, great family, high character, uh, excellent student uh, in the classroom, studies the game. And, you know, you look, I think he, he's going now into his third season with us. So that first year, you're kind of learning, figuring it out. Uh, second year, you get the opportunity and take a, take a growth to learn where you are. And we really, you know, I, I expect him to, to jump into, um, you know, being a, being a starter, being an every down player for us this season. And, uh, you know, so I, you really excited to see that, that growth throughout guys' career. And you talk about development, you know, and you look at the growth throughout their career. I think get, people get all excited. Hey, I want to see this guy play right away. I'm more excited to see, are we seeing a consistent growth throughout your career? And uh, Jaden's a guy that's done that. All right, we'll go over here to the right along the aisle. Hey, Dan, Jordan Hill with Oplac Auburn News. I want to ask about Mahmoud Diabate. Just what have you seen from him this offseason and, and what uh, you feel like he can do with the defense this year? Well, I think, you know, Mahmoud's a, a really um, great athlete and, you know, dynamic player with, with speed and burst coming off the edge. Uh, I think he's a guy, because of that, you've seen us. He, I love creating matchup issues. I think if you watch us offensively last year uh, with guys, we, we, do, we try to do a great job and, and you know, spend a lot of time with Todd uh, and the defensive staff, making sure we're creating positive matchups. Well, Mahmoud's a guy that creates matchup issues for guys. And I think now when you see him as he's growing uh, into being a, a linebacker and you see him really growing into the instincts of being an every down player, now is where the matchups really become a problem because now I can be an every down player at backer, but now I can come off the edge. I can carry people in coverage. I understand the defense as a whole, and now I get to use my athleticism to become a dynamic playmaker. Good stuff there from uh, a couple players there. Jaden Hill, of course, we'll start with him. That was the first soundbite. And uh, a player I'm really interested to see how he fits in this defense. You know, Mullins sits here and says, um, and I believe him, of course, that he can be a player that can take some starting roles and be a starter on this defense. What does that mean for Jason Marshall? What does that mean for a potential transfer Elijah Blades maybe coming in? I mean, Florida Florida has some options at that second cornerback spot. And Jaden Hill is somebody who needs to be able to, to improve upon last year. And he, he's one of those... Uh, you know, players that, you know, you, you point to Kyrie Elam last year in that secondary as a, as a staple in a piece when you look at this year's defense to say that's one piece we're not necessarily so much worried about. That second spot, and he'll play a lot in that, in that spot last year. Needs to add some weight, needs to get a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, so hopefully a, a, a true Nick Savage offseason helps Jaden Hill uh, improve in that regard. But, you know, Mullen's, Mullen's tiling him, and uh, he, he was – one of those cornerbacks that was not thrust on the field as a as a starter, at like Mullen said, you know, Kyrie Elam played a lot as a true, true freshman. Uh, and you go through the lineage of Florida DBs who have basically been on the field early as true freshmen, and you could just kind of see uh, that next step. I think we're still – I mean, you could already – you could see that next step just in their first year. They had already taken that step. I think we're still waiting for Jaden Hill to take that step. And if he doesn't, you have a five-star Jason Marshall who's nipping at the hills who – in spring, got some starting time as well. You know, you want to see a five-star go out there and see how he handles himself on a first-string defense, going up against 
the better receivers on the other side of the field as well uh, there. So when the one on, when the when the ones go at it, you want to see where you, uh, a five star true freshman like Jason Marshall fits in. Where does Elijah Blades fit in if he if he comes in? So he always got his work cut out for him, and um, Dan Mullen seems to be high on him there. Yeah, uh, there's um in that defensive backfield. So that second cornerback spot, such a huge question going into fall camp. Jaden Hill, of course, I think has a leg up going in there. Can he hold off Jason Marshall? Second player, Mamou Diabate. He actually might be the player I'm most excited to see steps taken now that he's solidified as a linebacker got better as the season went on last year and as Mullen said can be versatile he can cover he needs he can tackle we know he can rush off the edge that's what he did as a freshman so he's a guy that you can move around on, on this defense now sometimes I think you know we, we talked we, we talked about it when Mullen and Grantham and the defensive recruiting and talking about all the tweeners and all the guys that might be versatile and not necessarily finding a home. We'll, we'll see <laughs> with the Abate if that switch to linebacker, you know, can he just be that linebacker? You don't, you're not asking him to switch positions so much. I don't think now it, it is awesome. As Mullen said that he can be a three down guy. You don't have to take him off the field because he can do all those things, but you need to be able to do all those things just from a strictly linebacker spot. And you don't, I don't think, uh, you see him moving around all too much. And you can see him on the edge uh, just a little bit in certain situations. But given – and I've seen the images too. He needed to bulk up a little bit uh, to play that linebacker spot, to be able to take on offensive linemen, to be able to take on some power running backs that you're going to face in the SEC. Mamou Diabate needed to get bigger and more physical in that regard. That's like I said, I think the confidence is huge. You're learning a new position, learning a new position when you didn't have a full offseason to do so. And that's why I said I think that's why we could see the steps throughout the season from Mamou Diabate getting better at that linebacker spot. And as somebody I'm really pegging for a big year. I I, I don't really like making predictions <laughs> like that a whole lot of you know, a guy who's going to have a big year uh, and trying to leave some other guys out. But Mamou Diabate Abate is one that I'm, I'm going to have a huge eye on just because of how he ended last year, how he improved as the season went on. Now has a full off season of learning linebacker. Get get those instincts. Linebackers a lot of instincts, and if you haven't played that position, it can take a while to get those instincts. And that's a that's an instinct position a lot of the time. So hopefully the defensive line in front of him helps helps a little bit too. Clear some of those gaps. He can be right there in the gap waiting on the running back or whatever making that tackle, uh, but Mamou Diabate is definitely, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody asked about him. There's one player I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing this fall. Yeah, Edgar Thompson, the Orlando Sentinel. Dan, Dan what caught your eye initially about Emory Jones, like going back years ago? Where has he grown the most in all this time you've known him, and what are your expectations of him? Uh, well, I think if you know me with quarterbacks, I have very, very high expectations of my quarterbacks. So uh, my expectations are extremely high. I think, uh, you know, when it goes back to recruiting, when I got hired at Florida, uh, I said I had a, a, a message that Emory sent me and, that, you know, I just sent him a text. He was committed to another school at the time. He sent a text and he says, Coach, I think when this shakes out, I'll be ready. I want to be your quarterback. And not I want to look at Florida, I want to consider this, or I'm, I'm thinking about flipping schools. It was I want to be your quarterback. And so I think that part of when you look at, at who guys are uh, is so critical. 
and, and, and who they've become. And then if you look at his progression, I mean, he came in as a very celebrated high school player, highly ranked player. Uh, and I think for, for a couple of years now, he's learned, he's grown, he's developed. He's a completely different player he was when he walked in in his understanding of the game and, and, you know, in his maturity. And I have a lot of respect for guys. I think if you watch and you look at a lot of guys that have had success throughout the years, uh, he had the opportunity to look at a Kyle Trask who went from a, a pretty much an unrecruited player that he came in and worked, prepared, bought his time, you know, learned how to do it the right way, all of a sudden was a Heisman Trophy finalist and then now is an NFL player and, you know, a second-round draft pick in the NFL. And I think when, when you look at that, you look at a Dak Prescott who didn't play for his first several years uh, on campus, uh, you know, and now is the highest-paid one of the athletes in the country this year. Uh, you know, I think Emory has showed the maturity early on that it wasn't, I have to play day one. It was, I need to continue to be developed from day one to be prepared for my moment and my time. And that's really what he's been able to do. And as I said, you know, you're looking at a guy that's going to, you know, as he comes into the season, he's not coming in with a stat line of nothing. Uh, he's coming in with a stat line that he's played uh, in, and at key times in significant games. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's huge, and, it, and it's prepared him for this time. That was a good story on Emory Jones there. Uh, Dan Mullen giving us a little bit of insight on the recruitment of Emory Jones. But, you know, I, I'm glad Mullen said the whole thing about how, having very high expectations. And you guys remember I had uh, Nick Evers, Gators quarterback committee, and his mom, Monica. And she talked about the pressure that comes with playing quarterback and playing quarterback for the University of Florida – and Dan Mullen has those high expectations. I mean, can you imagine being a quarterback under Dan Mullen? I mean, the the scrutiny he's going to put you under, and I don't mean scrutiny in a bad way, but he's going to prepare you. He is going to develop you, but he's going to be very critical at the same time. There's going to be there's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations that come with being a Dan Mullen quarterback now. And for Emory Jones, the pressure's on this year. And you know, good for him. Uh, first of all, good dating back to that story of. Um, Coach, when this shakes out, I really want to be your quarterback. I mean, that speaks a lot of Dan Mullen. And look, that's part of the reason you make a move from Mississippi State to Florida. I mean, don't get me wrong, that move in and of itself, move in and of itself makes sense. But Emory Jones wasn't going to go play quarterback at Mississippi State for Dan Mullen. You know, it, it, Emory Jones is a highly rated recruit. He was committed to Ohio State. Decommitted from Ohio State. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Alabama at the time. Dan Mullen gets to Florida, and pretty much you, you heard the story there. But when you go and, and, and look at that, you want, I want to be your quarterback. And if, was that, if he was at Mississippi State, you're not getting Emory Jones. You know, that, that's, that's where, you know I, know, I know we dog recruiting, and we'll probably get into that a little bit too uh, later. But, I mean, you, you're not getting a quarterback like Emory Jones at Mississippi State. Uh, now, you can develop quarterbacks, unheralded quarterbacks like a Dak Prescott, and turn them into, you know, somebody who bucked the recruiting trend, but you're not getting the highly rated quarterback at a place like Mississippi State, Dan Mullen gets to Florida, Emory Jones is going to, hey, I want to I come play for you. I want to come play for you at Florida. Uh, so, and look, uh, there's a lot of media out there who have a lot of respect for Emory Jones, too, by sticking this out. And we, look, we've heard this story, of course. You know, Kyle Trask stuck it out, and it paid off. Emory Jones stuck it out, and we hope it pays off in the, in the exact same form and fashion. But going down Radio Row and, and talking to different radio shows and media members, they, they noticed that, too, and it, it, it is a lot different 
uh, in the world of college football now and just biding and waiting your time. And credit to Emory Jones for, for, for doing that. And, and look, I hope it's a success story because you may see more players do that. And look, I'm not against transferring. I, you, you need to better your career. And if you think transfer is the way to go, by all means do it. But there's also something to be said for guys who stick around and uh, want to be developed, stick, stick around for their team, their teammates, and just wait their chance. Uh, and Emory Jones gets his chance now, so we'll see if, if it's going to be enough for him. But, you know, good on him for, for waiting and biding his time. And hopefully hopefully it pays off. But uh, I really like that story there uh, with, with Dan Mullen. I'm trying to make sure to go back and looking at it. Um, but, yeah, you know, Mullen mentions the stats and stuff. And, you know, we don't, we don't have a whole lot. We don't have a whole lot to go on. But I think, you know, we've seen enough. And the track record of Dan Mullen speaks for itself. But I really, really like that inside story there of the recruitment of Emory Jones. It kind of just tells you the kind of kid he is, the kind of person he is. And right now, so far, sticking, biding his time, tells you what kind of teammate he is as well. Conor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Dan, what's the biggest reason that your defense never figured it out last year? Um, I don't know about that because I think if you look in different games – we're a very maybe erratic defensively at different times. Uh, but, I, but there's a lot of different things that go into that. You know, there's some games we played really, really well uh, defensively. Uh, there's some games where I thought we played well, uh, but statistically maybe weren't great. And if you look in a lot of those games, of if you were going to play us on the other side of the ball, you had to play a different style game maybe than you wanted to or expected to and take a lot of chances because we were going to score points and you had to try to keep up with us. Or we jumped out to a big lead and you were just kind of, uh, you know, just, just you know, throw caution to the wind to try to put up yards and points uh, as fast as possible. Uh, you know, and there's other game, you know, one or two early in the year, I certainly think the, the learning curve of missing a spring practice and the time off and the speed of the game of going to tackle live uh, for the players and the time off of not being able to do that, uh, I think that showed early in the season and that improved as the year went on. So I, I don't know there's one thing or to say that it was uh, – statistically was not where we want to be. Uh, but when I look and I go through game by game situations, I think it's easy to identify in this game, here were our issues. And it wasn't one specific thing. So Mullen mentions there were games he thought they played really, really well defensively. Ah, <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Just uh, we, we all go back and, and we, we, we saw the games. Uh, there was not much that defense did that was good um you know what games do you point to i mean i think you could point to moments in games where they had some good okay play but um no i i can't i can't see that and the question was asked you know um that your defense never figured it out last year they didn't the defense never figured it out last year whether it be a lack of adjustments whether it be coaching whether it be talent whether it be players all that kind of stuff development that's it all plays into it when you're that bad defensively it takes all that type of stuff it takes the coaching and the players one side is not going to make you that bad from what we saw from Florida last year so yeah I gotta disagree there I don't think there were many games at all that Florida played really really well defensively look Mullen's not gonna come out here and just trash everything of course I mean he's gonna he, this a lot of this is coach speak uh and this is kind of what you get in this setting uh but you know there, there are some things we can we, we can pull uh from this you know the part talking about you know how you know offenses 
had to score with Florida, so that maybe played into it. The opposing offense took took more chances, and you know they could take advantage uh, of a Gator defense. But my thing is they were going to take those chances anyway because this defense just wasn't that good. Of course they're going to take chances. Yes, they got to keep up with a high powered offense, so they may test the ball down the field a little bit. But once they see that teams have had success or they had success doing it, they're going to keep doing it. And you know, the miscommunication and uh, not winning one-on-one battles and um, you're just getting beat. I mean, that, uh, to me, that really has nothing to do with trying to keep up with the opposing offense because just because you think Florida's going to score a lot of points, um, you're going to take more chances. You're just taking advantage of a bad defense. That, that's really all it is to me. It's not, oh, well, you know, we're going to be more aggressive this game because we have to keep up with Florida's offense. No, you, go out, you, you try and go out there and score as many points as possible in the first place. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think uh, the opposing, you know, Florida's offense – uh, played much into how other offenses played uh, against the Florida defense. They were they were they were going to take advantage of the Florida defense either way. So, um, you know, like I said, Mullen's not going to go too negative uh, on his team there uh, about the defense. So, as he said, I don't know if there's one thing to say that it was statistically was not where we want to be. But when I look and go through game by game situations, I think it's easy to identify in this in this game. Here were our issues. It wasn't one specific thing. Um, you know, the, the one consistent thing, of course, was the lack of communication. Tackling was an issue uh, as well. Um, I think they were pretty consistent in what they didn't do right, uh, honestly. So hopefully in spring, hope springs eternal. And that's got to be the best thing in defense for, for the defense going dating back to spring with the coaching changes, with, like I said, some leadership, accountability, attitude, confidence, all that comes with play, into play with this defense. Hopefully it started in the spring, but uh, I think you, you, you had to have a hard look at what went bad on defense last year and fix those things. Uh, Tony Sakalas, BamaInsider.com. Uh, when you look at Alabama's recruiting success in the state of Florida, I think they've pulled more five stars from that state than any other school, even the Florida schools. How do you go about battling that, and are you concerned about that, and how do you go about changing the tide of that? Well, I think, you know, a couple of things. I think they've done, they've built the program. Nick's been there a long time and done a really uh, a good job of building a consistent uh, program and consistency within his program. Uh, you know, I, I guess the, the, the short answer to that is, I mean, there's, I don't, nobody asked my opinion on ratings. So uh, I judge, maybe I rate everybody a little bit differently on who we go after and who we want uh, that way, um, you know, and, the uh, so, but for us, I think our you know with the facilities that we're getting caught up with. When you look at the University of Florida now, and you look at the only school in America uh, that is a top ten public university academically, uh, and really considered a, a, a top ten football program consistently over the last three years, uh, you're looking at that change. You look at the facilities that we have academically, the opportunity to play in the, the swamp, the opportunity now with name, image, and likeness, and what that means to kids in Florida and how they'll be able to brand themselves within their hometowns of Florida. Uh, then you look at the Heavener football complex coming up now to catch us up facility-wise um, with other teams in America. Uh, that's really, I think, how it's going to change where, you know, if, if you look at it, that that's a school of saying, hey, I, I don't know if there's a better place you can go in America uh, than Florida if you want the complete package, uh, if you want every aspect of it with alumni connections, with the education, uh, with the opportunity to play for championships and the facilities. Uh, I don't know if there's a better place than Florida.
There's the recruiting question a lot of people wanted. <laughs> and uh, uh, coming from the Alabama side of things, but yeah, it, it's true. Um, and it's been a trend for a while now that we hoped would get better, but it has not. And that's the top talent in the state of Florida leaving the state. And not only to Alabama, but to Georgia, to Ohio State, Clemson. A lot of the top in-state talent is still leaving the state. You know, the big three have had all have had their struggles in the last you know, 10, 15 years, and it shows. And the other schools were able to come in and raid the state, and it's become a trend now. Uh, and uh, the question is, what can be done to fix it? And, you know, I know Mullen says they rate players different and all that. I think it's true to an extent, but you're still chasing these five stars that Alabama's chasing. You're just not getting them. So, Sorry, I mean, that, I don't really buy all, you know, the whole we, we rate our guys different. To an extent, I think that is true. But at the top, like, see, to me, you can fit that into like a four-star and three-star guys and how rated. But most of the time, the five-stars are the five-stars. And you're going after them, too. You know, Demarcus Bowman, eventually you got him. But, you know, you lost him to Clemson. All these wide receivers that have been going to Alabama recently, you know, you were chasing these same receivers – I mean, so obviously you like them as well. So, you know, I know it just adds to the recruiting angst uh, of everybody out there. And uh, I knew this this comment from Mullen would get a whole lot of heat uh, out there in the Twitter sphere and social media. And, I mean, like I said, you know, we, we, we know what historically an easiest path to a playoff is. That's recruit well. That's recruit five stars and four stars and develop those five stars and four stars. We know the path of least resistance to a college football playoff, SEC championship, on a consistent basis. Can Dan Mullen do it his way? We'll see. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he can't. We just know the easier way, the better way, the more proven way to do it. And recruiting is the lifeblood of football. And now we'll, you know, we'll see if the, the training complex and, and the new facility being built will help at all. You know, I, I think it helps a little. I don't think it's going to make this huge, gigantic splash that makes Florida an elite recruiting school. I don't think that's some missing piece that's going to be the elixir of fixing recruiting. But, you know, it's, uh, I knew that comment would, would rub uh, people a long way. And look, there's no shame in losing commits to Alabama. Everybody loses commits to Alabama. To Alabama, that's just how it is. That's just what. That's just the game right now. But you know, until Florida and the whole administration gets a little more serious uh, about recruiting, this is just going to be the story. You'll get your guys, and you'll, you can sell a lot of things to Florida. Florida still has a lot to sell, and it's not like recruiting is awful. Recruiting's bad by Florida standards, but you know, top twelve-ish is not terrible recruiting. It is on on Florida's level. It is. And it puts you behind in the SEC by five or six teams, but in the grand scheme of things, it's enough to it's a, it's enough to win. And now, it win at the level we want it to to. That's still the biggest question. It can can it be done this way? And, and, and we'll see. And we'll see. You know, look, there there are some good things, as I said. And I go back to the the Evers interview I had a couple weeks ago, and they had their checklist. They had their boxes that needed to be checked, and it was multiple. It was it was academics. It was a football school. It was all the things that you know F- Florida, the university itself, can bring. Florida checked all those boxes, so you you, you can get good recruits. You can get big time recruits with that. But you know, still something has to change as far as, uh, uh, I hate to say it, I, I, a lot of these kids don't care about the academic side of it. What can you do for me football-wise? 
They're going to school to play football. That's just the bottom line of it. So you fix that side of it, fix the recruiting side of it. A lot of them, you know, yeah, academics is a great sale. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I have a daughter. Believe me, academics is going to be very, very important <laughs> growing up and, and choosing a college and, and all that. I hope she's in kind of some situation like this. But in the grand scheme of things, it's about selling, selling the program, being a salesman, selling the University of Florida. And there's a lot to sell. Just got to improve just a little bit. But Dan uh, is chasing the same five stars Alabama's chasing. Just got to find a way. Find a way to find a way to get those guys. Coach, with the uh, transition in offense with quarterback and Emory Jones and being a more mobile quarterback, how does that affect the offensive line and those guys needing to kind of bounce back from the last couple of years? It's, uh, it's just going to be a little bit different offense. You know, that's, that's the, 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 the one beauty of what we do is the opportunity within our scheme is the ability to fit around the strengths of the players. You know, so you're looking at, at a team last year where we're actually a very efficient running team last year. And you look statistically, you know, we go to the end of the year, um, you know, when I look at efficiencies, four yards or more on a running play. Um, and uh, so our efficiency was at a very high rate during the course of the season. We just didn't run the ball much. Uh, you know, so that's, that wasn't anybody's fault really but mine, I guess. I just called, out, called pass plays. Um, and that was fun. So I think, uh, but you know, we have the opportunity maybe to be a little bit more balanced this year with, with the depth at running back, the experience on the offensive line, and then obviously, you know, guys that, that are a threat with their legs as well as their arms at the quarterback position. So uh, I think that'll change a little bit of things for us and how we do things this year. I mean, I couldn't go by without asking about the offensive line and didn't get an answer pretty, you know, detailed for the offensive line, but does say you know they're an experienced group and we'll see if that experience pays off I mean a lot of these guys that we are asking for a starting five they're going to be called upon to be a lot better in 2021 than they were in 2020 and we talk about Gene DeLance at right tackle and how hopefully he can improve from what we've seen the last couple years and especially in pass blocking hopefully this system as Dan Mullen says you know there's a this is a scheme that fits to a team's strength, and hopefully, you know, running the ball is a strength for this offensive line. And, and you know, now you're, now you're not asking them. And look, the pass blocking hasn't been bad, but you're not asking them to pass block. You're not asking them to play in a in a pass happy offense. Now, now they'll have a chance to go road grade over and over again. I think with, as Dan Mullen said, five deep at running back, a lot of depth at running back. With an experienced offensive line, Stuart Reese who I think, you know, I think this offensive philosophy shift really helps somebody like Stuart Reese playing in this offense at Mississippi State and now being able to translate this offense finally at Florida. It wasn't the same offense, you know, it's the same coaching staff, yeah, but the last couple of years with Reese last year because he transferred in, it wasn't the offense he played at Mississippi State. We're going to see more of that offense in 2021. I expect Stuart Reese to look much improved in 2021. Hopefully Gene DeLance does too, you know, Will, and you go Real Miles, my co-host, read his articles. He's pointed out where Gene DeLance did look better in, 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 in uh, run blocking more so than pass blocking. Hopefully he can take another step and become a more consistent offensive lineman. If not, if not, we've, Florida's got to have somebody else to turn to if Gene DeLance isn't the answer at right tackle. And if he's the one still trotting out there in game 10, 11, and 12, and there's still a struggle there, my question is not Gene DeLance. It's John Hevesy. And who are you developing behind him? Who are you recruiting behind him? Where is that going? So 
But the offensive line still has a lot of questions. Didn't really get an answer from Dan Mullen specifically too much about the offensive line, except for maybe this you know scheme change a little bit fits this team a bit better, fits this offensive line a bit better. He did go and say they were an efficient run team last year, and I guess in his metrics and in his eyes, in some ways they were. There's four yards or more runs, but there was no big runs. There was hardly any big runs on a consistent basis. And granted, don't get me wrong, I do agree with him. They should have been a passing team. You have those weapons, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, and Kyle Trask, and Trevon Grimes, that passing attack. Yeah, you should be passing. You should be calling more passing plays than run plays. But I think that's a two-parter. You were so good at passing the ball, and you struggled running the ball for the most part. You had to pass the ball. So I, I think it's you know it, it works both ways uh, to me. I don't think Florida was all that efficient overall running the ball. Maybe in Mullins' metrics, and I mean there there were times you know that they they could get the three, four, five yard. But like I said, they they limited. There was big plays were so limited in the run in the running game with this Florida Gator offense last year, that, that that's the improvement. You know, this offensive line, like, I I think these running backs and Emory Jones and these quarterbacks can really help this offensive line. And I think it's going to elevate the run game. But for, you know, there's two things I'm looking for for the ceiling of this offense. Emory Jones' arm and the offensive line being able to consistently run block and help bust some more big plays in the run game. If they can get more big plays in the run game and Emory Jones' arm is – what we think it can be, has the potential to be, then the ceiling for this Gator offense is, is is so high. And Emory Jones' arm can still be really good, but this offensive line doesn't take the next step. Doesn't They're going to be better, I think, just because of the offense offensive shift. But I think they have a chance to take it another level if they can help produce some big plays. As you prepare for the season, what is in terms of like depth at different position groups, what is one group that you're not worried about at all and what is maybe your biggest concern keeps you up at night? Um, hmm. Running backs would be the least worry. You know, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a good deep room right now with some veteran players, you know, and you're looking at two seniors uh, in, in, you know, with, with uh, Damian Pierce and Malik Davis and then the young talent, you know, a couple of young guys that have taken big steps forward. Um, you know, you got Lorenzo Langard, Naquan Wright that have really taken steps forward in the offseason and big leaps to compete with those guys and Bowman transferring in. So, uh, hmm. It would probably be the youth of our secondary is the one. And it, it's it's not as much depth or talent as it is youth. And, you know, that's the one. I look and I say, hey, here's a talented group of guys. I think they do understand the sense of urgency of their growth and development, and they got a opportunity late in the year last year to, to kind of, I'm going to put you in a situation, and they walked off the field and said, hey, I'm recruiting. I thought I was ready, and now I realize I'm really not. Uh, I think that group now has the opportunity um, to go show what they can do. And if, they, if they, they mature quickly, we could have a really good secondary. A lot to unpack there uh, on that one. Mullen, not worried about running back depth. And he shouldn't be. Five bodies there, guys with experience, new guys coming in, new guys with probably the highest potential. Uh, so we'll see um, how I – I wanted to ask him about it. Didn't, we ran out of time. But you know how, how how do you split carries? I know that's a hot topic uh, there on, in, in the Twitter sphere and the message boards. Is how do you split 
top how do you split carries with these five guys at, at running back and you know, does somebody like Malik Davis have a slash role and does he play running back and play some slot I don't think I don't think the full transition is going to be there uh, where he's a slot receiver and I know a lot of people have kind of pointed that out I don't think it's a full transition I think there is some of that in just so you can get him more touches and some and some guys in the backfield some more touches as well uh, but it, uh, schematically, I think you can help this too. Do we see some double running back sets? And do you have a three-headed monster with Emory Jones and Demarcus Bowman and Damian Pierce? So, uh, or just this is one combination. You can. There's so many combinations if you want to put two backs on the field that you could do in this Florida offense. So, uh, Mullins, there's a it's it's a luxury to have that. But man, trying to figure out. How to disperse the carries? You know, like I, I know a lot of people out there are just kind of they're ready to move on uh, from the the status quo that's been there at running back. You know, Damian Pierce is just kind of what he is. He's a bruiser. Uh, he he falls forward. You know, not many tackles for loss, uh, but you know he's is what he is at this point. Uh, so you know, not a lot of big plays there. Not. All his fault. The offensive line has some blame here, too, as well. Um, Malik Davis, I know the fumbles uh, are a detractor for him uh, and the turnovers, uh, but, you know, he's been a threat in the passing game. Naquan Wright really really showed some flashes last year. Can he take the next step to be maybe the, maybe the number one running back? Because I think what he brings to the table as an all-around back and then the experience he got last year, it could boost him up to the, to, to the one spot. Uh, there with uh, with Pierce uh, a little bit. I think Pierce is going to get that senior favoritism a little bit, <laughs> but um, I think Wright has the potential, if he can take another step, to be on the field a lot, be that all-around weapon. And then, of course, potential, potential, potential with five stars, Lorenzo Lingard and Marcus Bowman. It's just there's five guys there. I, I don't know. I, I think – if we're going to say the word potential about those five-star guys, if they can show up and look like five-stars, if they're the difference makers, if there's the guys that can get to the outside, turn on the afterburners, and be the defense, help this offense in that way, bust some big plays, I mean, like I said, I think they can elevate the play of the offensive line. I think you know it, it works both ways. I think guys like this, your five-star running backs, your high-level elite running backs, they can help an offense. They, they, they can help and elevate the play of the guys around them. And I think that's what, you know, hopefully Lorenzo Lingard is fully healthy and we see him more involved. He had a really good spring, really good spring with the opportunity. Bowman didn't play a whole lot uh, past the early part of spring with a minor injury. Uh, we did get the word that he is fully eligible to play after transferring from Clipson. So he'll be on the field as, you know, as one of the, the five guys here. Can he – be the guy that we wanted him to be when he signed with Clemson and then eventually transferred to Florida? Can he be that elite running back? Can he be that difference maker, that playmaker? I think there's still a lot of questions there, of course, of of what these running backs can do when they're either splitting so many carries, uh, maybe can't get into a rhythm. How does Dan Mullen figure this out? Is it does it look different every game? It doesn't look the same every game. Are you trying to split carries between five guys, or are you not? Or is it one game, two guys go off, another game, two or three guys go off? It's a uh, it's a luxury. To, it's a luxury to have, but I mean, but Denbo has never had a running back stable like this. I'm not sure. And just anybody that's going to figure it out, it's going to be him of of how to disperse these carries. But he's never had this 
bag of riches at this position ever in his career as far as depth goes and as far as top-end talent goes. He hasn't had running backs like Demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard. So I'm eager to see how this all shakes out. This fall camp, a huge indicator in who's going to get more carries. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully those guys go out there and prove it, and whoever's better in, in, in practice is the guy that's going to get the carries. And if it's the young guys busting the big plays, I think that screams good things for Florida's offense. Was, first of all, it can it speak to recruits that young guys can come in here like a Demarcus Bowman. If he's the guy, can really speak to high-level recruits that, hey, five-star running back, comes in at Florida, his first year at Florida, he's he's what we thought he'd be. He, he lives up to that five-star billing. That helps. I think that helps in, re, in recruiting a bit when it's not just their developed senior heavy guys that are making the plays. It's the freshmen coming here making plays as well. So I think that's the best-case scenario is DeMarcus Bowman comes in with the heralded recruit that he is, comes in here and just – and lives up to that and is, if not the top running back, one of the top running backs when this thing goes five deep. And then Mullen brings up uh, the use in the secondary. He didn't really bring up a, a, a worry spot on this team as far as depth goes, but his, I guess the, his concern is the youth in the secondary, and rightfully so. I mean, behind Kyrie Elam, you know, he, we mentioned Jadon Hill, but you know, behind that, there's a lot of questions there. And is Jason Marshall the guy that's going to be uh, coming up in that that second quarterback spot, and I think that's the one of the bigger questions on the team is Hill Marshall who wins that second quarterback spot. Uh, but the whole secondary, you know, behind Trey Dean, what happens at the other safety spot? You know, Mordecai McDaniel, Rashad Torrance, not a whole lot of playing experience uh, there. You know, do do new guys Donovan McMillan come in and, and he had a really good spring uh, from us from some accounts there. Does a true freshman come in and make some waves back there in the secondary, push for some playing time? That, that's what you want. Florida, has, Florida does have a, a lot of bodies back there. So, you know, as Dan Mullen said, it's not necessarily depth that's the worry there. It's experience depth. It's the youthfulness back there that can really come back to haunt you if Florida's not getting the pass rush up front and these young guys back there are trying to figure it out on the fly. So secondary youth is a worry. There's a lot of talent there. I mean, really, really a lot of talent back there, I think, in the secondary but the youthfulness does come into play. They can get help up front. I think that's going to be the biggest thing in making that transition for these guys to get some play in time. And look, and you have those first couple games this year that you didn't have in 2020. So this youthful secondary, they got as Mullen said, they got a lot of play in time toward the end of last year. Now, I think in the beginning of 2021, should be getting a lot of play in time in the first couple games of the season. So can somebody like a Travis Johnson who played sparingly last year, I mean, what does his role look like now? You know, DeJuan Black comes in and can, and can probably play some nickel now as well, a very versatile piece. Does that shove Travis Johnson out of the nickel spot? Uh, who knows? Uh, I, I don't know. Or can he go play corner? Can he be another corner? You know, Florida, in some of these offenses they play, they're going to have more than two corners on the on the field. So you know, Kyrie is going to need some help besides – Jadon Hill and, and, and Jason Marshall. So there's a lot of lot of bodies there. Kamar Wilcoxon. I mean, there's Florida's recruited well back there. 
but they are youth. They, 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 there is a lot of youth there. They are young. They have, they're they're going to need some playing time to get their feet wet. So that is a, a, another interesting. When we look at fall camp battles, you know, I just mentioned running back and what happens at running back. Secondary is another one. Secondary is another huge camp battle and how that's going to shake out from which young guys, which young guys are going to step up. Sounds like Dan Mullen's got that same question as well. And now we finally get to hear from some players. Uh, Zachary Carter, Ventro Millers. We heard from Zachary Carter first and uh, get to hear his thoughts on this defense and hopefully being able to bounce back. David Waters or Gators Breakdown. Zach, uh, talk about the approach on defense between the coaches. and You guys are trying to bounce back from a, a disappointing season last year. The approach from the coaches and you guys uh, yourselves this spring. Man, this spring, this spring was great for our defense, man, honestly. Um, you know, the guys all spring, you know, we were juice every day, energy. Um, you know, guys playing hard, and you know, the biggest thing is, you know, guys coming together. I think, you know, I think the biggest thing about a unit is being close off the field, and you know, I think guys starting to come together more, and you could see like the cohesiveness on the field. Honestly, um, you know, we we know we have some things to work on this year on defense, definitely, and. I think spring was a great step forward. Um, defense, defense looked pretty good this spring. So we're looking to um, going into camp. We're looking to bounce right back where we started. You know, Coach Grantham and his staff. You know, our coaches, they show up every day and they coach us hard. Um, you know, I say nothing. Nothing has really changed. You know, um, we go. We go on about our business every day. Um, it's really, it's really how how we attack today, and you know, it's really how we go out there and handle our business in practice. Um, you know, guys paying close attention to small details, little things that you know the margin of error is very small, and you know we've been working on we've been working on that this offseason. You know, a lot of the faces of the program are now in the NFL from last year. Um, we all know Dan Mullen's a great motivator, but talk about the chip that your team has gone through this offseason program with to, you know, motivate yourself and, and maybe surprise some people this year. Um, well, yeah, um, you know, we see, we see things that, you know, are said about the Gators and whatnot, but, like, like I said, um, this offseason, guys' head has been down, and we've been we just been focusing on accomplishing one goal at the end of the year. And you know, I think it's good. I think it's good going into a season with a chip on your shoulder because you know it just gives you something to fall back on. And when guys have chips on their shoulder, you know, I seen God. I seen guys working harder than ever this year. So, you know, I think I think it's a good thing that we had a chip on our shoulder this year. And, you know, we want, we want people to be surprised this year. We are Zach Carter talking about the little things. The little things add up. I mean, we saw the, all, all the issues last year, the lack of tackling, the lack of communication, looking lost, and those things add up. And, you know, there are uh, little things that you can do to help remedy those issues. And I think uh, that's what this past spring was going to have to be for, is get those little things right. I mean, 
those little things turned out to be big things. Uh, and you know, Florida's that's was step number one is just figuring out you know the basics. It's the basics are pretty much the little things, but the basics are, are weigh a lot. And Florida didn't do the basics all that great last year. So get back to basics. Do what you need to do. At least get the basics right. Do the little things right. Now that will go a long way in fixing this defense. And and it does look like the players are kind of taking it upon themselves here. Uh, I think they were probably embarrassed a bit last year when you look at that defense. And I think they are taking it upon themselves now to to help. And maybe the – Maybe the embarrassment was was too much. I think they lost their confidence a whole lot last year, and it to me it snowballed and it turned into an embarrassing effort. It looked the effort looked embarrassing at times. The coaching looked embarrassing at times. When when you're not lined up, when the miscommunications happening in game one all the way through game twelve, it. I think you go back and look at it. If you're a player and you go and watch that film, you have to be embarrassed. And, and, and I think they're taking it upon themselves not to look like that again. Uh, and you know, maybe some, some new faces in the secondary staff, some new faces on the field will help. And I think uh, that's, what, that's what this team is looking for. And you know, the little things are going to add up and that chip on their shoulder. How You hear a lot of that in this setting when, when, when teams are doubted, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder. But Florida should have a chip on their shoulder from themselves uh, to kind of just fix the defense and what, what we saw last year. And, you know, basically just calling them out week in and week out. And that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. They should have a chip on their shoulder. The chip of their shoulder, you, I mean, a lot of times you hope you just kind of develop that on your own. And not, not everybody needs a chip on their shoulder to go, to go compete and, and, and to do better. But this defense should have a chip on their shoulder. They really should. They should. Zach Carter said they want to go out there and surprise people. Well, they, they probably need that chip on their shoulder to go surprise some people because that was ugly last year, and they they are going to have to fix it. And it's upon the players, it's upon the coaches to to figure it out. And whether Todd Grantham should have been fired or not, he wasn't. It's his job to figure out you know what this defense can do well in 2021. Questions remains, you know, how big can they do? When the defense was as bad as it was last year, it, it, it took both sides. It took talent and it took coaching to be that bad. You know, for now, hopefully the players see that and they can take it upon themselves to help help this coaching staff. You know, it starts with you. You got to look in the mirror first. And I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hear some comments from Dan Mullen that I think uh, might surprise some people a, a, a bit. But, you know, it starts with these players, but accountability – Leadership, that's all going to go a long way on this defense. We'll hear what Dan Mullen has to say. Yeah, stick around for what Dan Mullen had to say on this same issue. Kind of caught my, kind of caught me by surprise that he would kind of come out and say that in this setting. Basically calling out the defense last year and, and, and didn't name them by name, but about some certain players there. So that's a pretty good quote. We'll finish up with Zachary Carter, and then we'll also get it here from Ventral Miller. You moved more interior into the line now. Do you feel more comfortable there? Would you rather go back out to the end at times, or do you feel like you're pretty set now on the interior? Um, I don't really like to put a label on myself. You know, um, I think I'm a pretty versatile player. Um, you know, I, um, I like playing. I like playing outside. You know, but wherever my team needs me, I fill in that role. But um. I'm, 
I kind of went back to playing more outside this year. Um, last year, I had to play inside just to fill a little void at the beginning of the year. But as the year went on, they kind of moved me more outside. But I still be moving around. I still be moving around a lot this year. Team needs you, and I'm sorry if you've already addressed this, but you chose to come back when mm-hmm. when you could have easily left. What right. went into that decision? Man, I just I just felt like we we really had some unfinished business, and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, you know, I remember after the SEC championship game, uh, I st- I probably stayed on the field for about five minutes after, you know, watching the confetti come down and all of that, and you know, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, at that moment, I knew I was like, we'll be back, and you know, I kind of made, you know, a promise to myself, you know, I'm gonna give everything I got this year, and I'm gonna try to, you know, help my team the best I can, help lead my team in some some type of way, so. Coming back for unfinished business, and hopefully, you know, speaking to this defense and a message that they can send. That embarrassment from last year and then also going to Atlanta, being oh so close and then having to watch Alabama in that confetti and hoist the SEC championship trophy. And you fought, you, you fought, these players have finally gotten to Atlanta. They had, the first time this team had been to Atlanta, first time these players had been to Atlanta. And you know, oh so close. But – you know, unfinished business there. And for Zachary Carter, Zachary Carter, personal as well. You heard him talk about his position and playing inside or outside. Well, now in 2021, he gets the chance to play outside a bit more. That the defensive end with his hand in his dirt, defense, he's not going to be standing up, but he'll be on the end. He won't be asked to slide inside a defensive tackle, slide in that interior of the defensive line. He's going to be a defensive end, and he'll get to play that position a lot. That's going to help his draft stock. He, he needed to come back for that too. Play that position Play that position well. Play that one position well to help earn your, you know, get your draft stock up. So you know, a couple reasons I think you know, come back. You you want to play it, hopefully in a better defense for the Gators. Barris last year come back and and try and fix that defense. I think unfinished business in a couple ways. Unfinished business as in you know disappointing performance on defense, and you know you 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 want to get back to Atlanta, and you know not not most people aren't going to pick you. Everybody's going to be picking Georgia. But that goes to the chip on the shoulder as well is what Zachary Carter was talking about. So, you know, good for him coming back, um, getting his degree. Uh, last year was so weird. It, you know, maybe 2021, a little bit of a normalcy. You can come back and, and play in somewhat normal season. Your last season can be in front of 90,000 at uh, 90,000 Gator fans for home games. You get some big road games. You get to play in Jacksonville again. So, you know, good for Zachary Carter coming back trying to improve himself, improve this team, um, be, be a teammate, be a teammate there. So sh- showing some true leadership there. That's what Zachary Carter can do. Um, he was a lot of fun to talk to today, a lot of fun to, to follow around today. So uh, I was glad we got to talk to him. And hopefully, you know, the unfitness business for Zachary Carter turns out to be, uh, turns out to be a, a motivator for him and his team. All right, now we hear from Ventrell Miller and wrap it up also with Dan Mullen. Last year obviously ended not the way you guys wanted to. And your teammate Zach Carter just talked about how in spring you guys raised the bar. You, him, your teammates all stepping up to make sure this season you guys got a big chip on your shoulder and you wanted to prove last year was just a fluke. 
How exciting is it to come into this season knowing you guys got something to prove and everybody else might want to watch out? Man, like, like Zach said, I don't know if he said it, but definitely coming, coming in with a chip on our shoulder. Uh, got something to prove, and we've just been working towards that. And like he said, it's going to be whoever getting in our way got to pay. Coach Robinson has put a lot of responsibility on you the last year or two to sort of become the leader of that unit. How do you take that, and how do you feel you've done so far? Uh, definitely it's a, it's a big role, a big role to play, but I embrace it. Um, and I think I, I like that Coach believes in me that much to, 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 put the, to put the load on me. So just going out there looking forward to doing everything that, that I can to help the team win. To your left here, front row. Ventura, have you noticed a, a different approach from Todd Grantham and how he's trying to help you guys bounce back from last year? You say what? I'm sorry. A different approach from Coach Grantham this year, helping you guys bounce back? Yeah, we got different things in, uh, different things going in uh, this spring and, and this summer. Uh, but like as a unit, we just uh, coming in together, uh, trying to everybody executing, I'd say. Everybody executing, everybody being on one page and coming, coming together and trying to come out and win games. Both Zach and Ventrell um, used the phrase, you know, when they were talking about attacking the offseason, they used the phrase chip on their shoulder. Um, and they said the whole team really has one. Where do you think that's coming from for your guys this offseason? Well, I think, you know, especially look defensively, I think guys thought they didn't play to the Gator standard last year. And I think they understood, you know, um, Maybe at times you had some independent contractors defensively, which you can't have. You know, I mean, guys that, that weren't focused on playing 11-guy team defense at all times. Uh, and I think they've really focused uh, on their the, 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 not just their improvement as players, but their improvement as leaders and the leadership quality of creating uh, a mindset of 11 guys, you know, being accountable, doing the exact thing, doing what they're supposed to do at all times uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think that is that 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 chip on the shoulder to play play up to the Gator standard is, is where where that's coming from. All right, so a little bit to unpack there with Ventral Miller and Dan Mullen uh, as well. Ventral Miller did say when I asked him about the coaches, they are doing some different things. Of course, no details are going to be given here at SEC Media Days for what the the differences are. But he said, you know, different things this spring and this summer. So maybe it's more for the linebacker core. You know, Zachary Carter didn't necessarily speak on a, a different approach from Grantham or anything like that, but Miller gives a little bit here, a different, some different things, maybe a little bit of different approach on defense. Looks, there has to be. We talked about it last week on Gators Breakdown. There has to be a different approach on, on, on defense. Todd Grantham's defense has struggled versus SEC teams in the last few years, struggled against good quarterbacks. Things need to change. And after last year, just pretty much struggled versus everybody. It didn't matter how experienced the quarterback was or, or, or who they were playing. Uh, and all SEC schedule, you know, I really unearthed some hard truths uh, about Todd Grantham and his defense. So there needs to be a different approach. There needs to be different things. And according to Ventro Miller, there might be some different things, a different approach here on this defense. Talk about coming together uh, on this defense. And like I said, numerous times already and Varys they needed to come they need to come together and going back to the spring I I do wonder just you know what was the mindset how how can they get their confidence back you know does the confidence come can can they get it back in camp can they get it back in spring practice can they get it back in fall camp is it or is it going to take some ball games to get that confidence back what's the attitude going in well it says he likes the attitude of this defense 
But you know, game, games are going to need to be played before you know we and ACC games are going to be need to be played before uh, we can see all the things that need to be said right now are, are are going to come true. Of course, we expect to hear a turnaround and a bounce back and coming together and eleven guys, you know, coming together in that defense to turn things around. We're going to hear that right now. When are we going to see it? We're not going to see it until we see some ball games. So, uh, being on one page—that's what—that's what it comes down to. And I think those they, those guys know that they knew they were on the same page last year. That was the biggest issue we all saw last year. Is I don't think I don't think the coaches and the players were on the same page, and I don't think the players, all eleven players on the field, were on the same page. Of course, that got to to Mullins' part and what he had to say, not playing up to the Gator standard. Quote: Independent contractors. On the defense, not playing team defense. Now I think you can look at that. You can look at that last year and, and certainly see that. Certainly see that. So interesting, right there. Independent contractors. And look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try and single out players. I don't know for sure who who was going out, but this is coming from the head coach. It's coming from the head coach. So obviously, him a year later, calling out. He didn't call him out by name, of course, but calling out players by saying they weren't playing team football, they weren't playing team defense, they were looking out for themselves, that's an issue. You know. And when you have stuff like that, it's not just on the field. That bleeds over to the locker room, it bleeds over to practice. There's going to be issues behind the scenes there. If, that, if you have independent contractors, it's just not when the TV cameras are on. That's going to be behind the scenes, it's going to be at practice, even will be hanging out. I mean, you, you treat your teammates like that on the field? I mean, you can just imagine what it's like behind the scenes as well. So, Maybe we're getting a little bit more of maybe what why the defense struggled uh, last year as well, and you know I, I would have liked to. We we know Dan Mullen enough now; he's not going to throw coaches under the bus a whole lot. I would have liked to heard, or I would have liked to hear from these days at SEC media days that you know Mullen maybe constructive criticism there for for the coaching staff and. Uh, he, we did. We got a little bit of it in the spring, and talking about you know substitutions and not being on the same page and not getting guys in and out, and maybe not even putting the best eleven on the field at times. But you know, here at SEC Media Days, when it's a whole lot of SEC media and stuff, it made it sound like it was a little more player driven, not coach driven, of why some of the issues there on the independent contractors. So it was a it. It was pretty surprising. I was asked about it on the radio row, uh, some uh, uh, radio station in Alabama. They caught on kind of to that quote as well uh, there. So it, uh, I was surprised Mullen did say that. You know, I, I thought we might hear that back in the spring or maybe even during the season last year, calling out some players, maybe to get them riled up uh, a little bit. But, no, we, we hear it now at SEC Media Day. So kind of a revelation going back to last year's defense of these independent contractors. And one more time, just being leaders. That's what Mullen wants from these guys. That's why he brought Ventro Miller. That's why he brought Zachary Carter, guys who were leaders. Could he have brought some offensive players? Yeah, but he, he I think these guys, seniors, leadership, and uh, I think it goes a long way uh, in, in showing how much Mullen trusts these guys. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown from SEC Media Days. A lot of fun was had here. Uh, talking to the players, talking to the coaches. Hopefully, everything comes to fruition. This switch in offense leads the Gators to scoring some points still. And the turnaround on defense happens. All these leaders step up uh, and, and are kind of just uh, 
the, the force it needs for a big turnaround on defense. So they're saying all the right things, and that's what we expected to hear there. Saying all the right things, but hopefully that stuff they're saying comes to fruition. Uh, leadership, different coming together, being on the same page. That's, uh, that's what we want to hear. Now we want to see it as well. So, all right, a lot of fun here. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC.